Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. In this series, host Daniel J. Marino, managing partner of Lumina, talks to top experts and thought leaders in healthcare to help you navigate on the journey to value-based care in the ever-changing landscape of the industry. The goal of this series is to bring you disruptive success strategies by leveraging Lumina's experiences, stories, and insights from working with health professionals and organizations across the country. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and any questions that are top of mind. Now let's get started. Hello, I'm Daniel Marino. Welcome to another edition of Value-Based Care Insights. Today, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about physician leadership, physician development programs, and a lot of activities that are occurring right now to help support physicians as they assume these leadership roles. You know, as everyone knows, within Lumina, we spend quite a bit of time working with organizations around the country. And what we've seen really over the last probably three or four years is more and more physicians have been assuming leadership roles in a number of different areas. Some of them have been leaders within hospitals where you're seeing more and more hospital CEOs that are physicians. We're especially seeing physicians assuming leadership roles as organizations start to build clinical service lines. So one of our clients developed a pretty comprehensive neurosciences clinical service line and nominated a physician, a very strong physician, as their CEO. And you're seeing more and more of that occurring across the country. And not only is it occurring because, you know, it makes sense from both a clinical and a business perspective, but as we continue to move forward with value-based care, physicians are in the best role, have the best opportunity to maximize the clinical outcomes and wrap around a lot of the business components to it that helps to drive a lot of the financial success, especially as we assume levels of risk. But the other thing that we've seen too is, again, I think COVID has really highlighted the need to think about our care delivery models differently and not only wrapping in the traditional components of care delivery, but also incorporating a lot of the aspects of value-based care that includes tracking outcomes, managing risk, maximizing reimbursements in a value-based care setting, which again, physicians in this type of role are in a great position to really lead these organizations so they can achieve this level of financial success while at the same time delivering excellent quality patient care. With that said, I'm really pleased today to have as our guest, Dr. Deborah Leventhal. Dr. Leventhal leads an organization called IPMA, stands for Interstate Postgraduate Medical Association, and it's a physician-led 50C3 organization that has really been around for about 100 years. It's amazing. And they do a fantastic job on providing education programs to physicians, assessments to physicians, and really a lot of support to these physicians as they start to grow in these roles. So to be totally transparent, as within Lumina, we've developed the Lumina Leadership Institute. And you know, as many of you have heard, the Institute provides a lot of programs and development for physician leaders. We've been partnering with IPMA in a number of different programs as well, and we're gonna talk about that in a second. So with that said, 
Deb, love to welcome you to the program. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate being here today. Deb, before we get started, why don't you spend just a couple minutes talking about IPMA and you know some of the services and the programs that you all have and, and some of the good work that you've done with physicians across the country? Sure, I totally appreciate that. So as you said, IPMA is actually a 105-year-old organization that started in 1916 and has had um, the great fortune of early great minds like the Mayo Brothers and Oshner were very much leading us because they understood that after the completion of education, they needed further development of their skills and really were the ones who who spearheaded and, and brought online what we now know as our continuing medical education as lifelong learning. So they used to, back in the day, put everybody on a ship and over the summertime, gather the families. They would travel to Europe. They would have uh, you know, a wonderful experience learning, come back ever so very much smarter. Well, over the many years, we have stayed in medical education. We have also worked within the framework of quality improvement and our MOC, maintenance of certification programs, have been tied to that, which is super important. We are very much, our particular organization is heavy in accreditation services. So we are an ACCME provider with accreditation and ABMS portfolio sponsor, but all of these things have been towards education for our physicians to fulfill licensure requirements and MOC requirements. And because we are a physician-led board, our folks that were running the board have been heavily centered in family practice. They are highly in tune with value-based care. And about five years ago, they started thinking that, you know, we know what success really looks like in modern healthcare, and in some areas we're struggling. And they felt that physician leadership would be an area that we really ought to lean into and work hard and try to be developing chief medical officers of the future here that were strong in understanding that a healthcare system being healthy keeps our community healthy. At the same time, though, we have to understand what success looks like for our organizations that we are working in and keep that side of the equation competitive. And so we have really been working hard in our physician leadership programs. And we know that training people, physicians in particular in clinical areas, that's something that we we have our, our many, many thousands of hours of expertise in. The business acumen, those skills are areas that few, if any, of us had any real opportunities to to learn those skills. And no more now is it right. um, super important for yeah. us to, to be working in that area. So right. we're in that space and every day working our hearts out to get our clinician leaders educated up so that they can speak a language of our administrative partners and our, our financial people, and we can be there present and, and bring that into focus on how it redounds to the patient ultimately. Right. Well, I'll tell you, and that's, as we're starting to see physicians assume these roles, what you're describing and what you all do, I think is, is just critically important to the success of these, these organizations. You know, and a lot of times, you know, we, we work with really strong clinical leaders, exceptional and some of these physicians who assume these roles, and I mentioned the CEO of this 
neurosciences group. He is an exceptional neurosurgeon. And one of the things that, you know, to his credit, he identified that from a clinical standpoint, he's extremely comfortable. But from a business perspective, he needed some help. And, you know, it took a while to, to have him understand that. Because again, you know, when they assume that role, folks go in this with the idea that, hey, I can do it and I can figure it out. But what he realized was that the business side was a little bit different and he never had the training for that, right? So if you get physicians starting to recognize that, I mean, that's a huge win. In conversations that you're having with physician leaders around the country, maybe the new physician leaders, what are some of the things that you're seeing that's particularly missing as they start to develop their leadership skills? That's a great question. You know, there's the fundamental categories of knowing yourself and how your personality is and how you work with others and the things that that you get stressed by or trigger you. There's also, you know, learning how to work with the team and that team can be at work, that team can be at home in your personal life. And going back to work, that team very much includes the patient. The For me, I think the things that, that are super important are understanding that there are human skills and there are business skills. So working in those two areas and really understanding, let's put the clinical things off to the side. That's an assumption that they're all, our new leaders are super on top of all of that. The reality, though, is we as humans can always do better with our communication. Every single conversation there is. But all of a sudden, when you've been elevated to this new position, and let's just say that an example is you've got a difficult conversation to have with somebody. Well, we had difficult conversations to deliver in medicine, but it's a little bit different when you're you're face-to-face with an employee or a service line, a head of a service line, and you now need to have a conversation that's constructive and doesn't land people, you know, with slam doors and running out, you need to get to an understanding. So the human skills on top of the business skills, you know, and the business skills, that's the story of 9,000 hours of discussion in and around what physicians don't know about. Right. Well, and I think you're absolutely right. And as you know, as these new physician leaders start to assume these roles, what we've seen is that they've not had the training. They've not had the development in that. And I think as you were talking, you bring up a really good point. There's two sides of a strong leader, right? It's the leadership skills in motivating a team, being able to understand aspects of change management, the emotional intelligence that goes into it. Those are critically important to the success, but you have to combine that with the business skills as well too. And understanding, for instance, how to execute a strategy, how to build a budget, how to make sure that you're maybe not necessarily negotiating a managed care plan, but knowing the key aspects of that plan to know if you got a good deal. Those components become really important combined with the leadership skills that really drive the success of these new physician leaders. If you even start with the communication skills, it's one thing to say, well, listen, you need to be an effective communicator. Well, what exactly does that mean? And beyond the concept of what does that mean, how do I do that? And how do I do that in the heat of the moment? So it becomes an additive uh, uh, issue of, well, communication is super important. Conflict resolution extremely important. Extremely important. Yeah. The emotional intelligence of being able to read your room 
so that you can actually have an effective conversation and get to an end point there. But on the business skill side, it's scary when you admit to yourself and hopefully to others what you don't know, because you can only get better if you make an acknowledgement of something and work towards it. That's a critical point. And I'll tell you, a lot of times, physicians who I've worked with, they're exceptional, as I mentioned, exceptional clinicians, and they've always been top in their class, right? They've succeeded all the way along school, medical school, you know, in their residency and their practice. And now all of a sudden you're put into this new role, which they've not necessarily had the training for and they're vulnerable, right? So I think it's almost creating a sense of, you know, and I don't know if this is the right term, but humbleism or something of that regard to be humble and understand that, Hey, we don't know everything. Let's figure out a way to develop these skills and either partner, train, educate in a way that we can really begin to develop and advance. I agree. And for me, some of the greatest learning that I have ever had personally has been at the hands. And I say that with love and respect of my mentors Because they have been that feedback loop that I need for them to say, oh, that's interesting, Deb, you approached it this way. Perhaps you could consider turning it on its side and looking at it from a different direction, which has educated me both on solving said business problem along with me regulating myself, again, on that human side of the equation. So I highly recommend mentoring for any of us who are starting into a leadership role. And you don't necessarily have to one, have one single mentor. Everybody, again, is, is better and worse at different things. So I have different mentors for different aspects of my personal and business life. So again, what you had said, Dan, getting back to the, as a group or a highly competitive group, And so understanding that we need to be working together, and some of us are ever-increasing numbers working in dyad pairs. So being able to to hand-in-hand work with your admin teammate to the best level of that is phenomenal when it works well because you are allowing each person to be expert in their area and you cross train each other and you're supportive. And that one-on-one, one plus one becomes three instead of two. Right. That's a great point. Great point. Where are you seeing, say, the diet models come into mm-hmm. play? Some of the, the organizations that we've worked with, you know, do have the strong clinical leader that's combined with administrative leader. You know, yep. what, what, what's your thoughts? Are you seeing a lot of that occurring as, as you're starting to build your programs? Most definitely. And what I find interesting is I would say it's about 50-50 on how it's working. It's either working brilliantly or it's really a disaster. And as, as a fellow clinician, what makes me sad is the disasters are usually at the hand of the physician ego. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but you, I, I think you're right. You know, early on in my career, before I got into consulting, I managed a number of physician practices. And I often said the best situation that I was involved in was when I had a strong clinical medical director, right. Who pressed me on the questions, may not necessarily knew all the, the business side of it, but pressed me on the questions. And they, the questions were really from a clinical standpoint, but I was able to come in and partner on the business side. And man, that just made for a fantastic team. 
but it, it does require a bit of an acknowledgement that either side, whether you're the business leader or you're the clinical leader, the acknowledgement that you don't know everything, right? And that you have to be willing to compromise and willing to yes. you know, develop this mutual understanding to really advance the organization's initiatives and, and strategies. And I'm certain, Dan, I'll ask you this. So when you had these relationships, there was so much value for your partner there to be able to say, explain to me this value-based care. I need to understand the language. What do you mean by that? And for them to turn around to you and say, well, Dan, that's fascinating. However, from a clinical outcome perspective, this is where we need to be and how do we connect the dots? So we have those, we need more of those conversations where everybody's speaking that common language and we are all laser focused on, okay, in the end, how ultimately with X amount of dollars, are we going to get the maximum bang for our buck for patients? And I'm a patient. I need that to be right. <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. Because at the end of the day, I mean, that's what helps the patient, but it also advances the organization. So you continue to do well. You continue to make some strong, both financial, clinical inroads and, and successes all the way along. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things that I talked about early on, you know, I've talked about many times on our program here, you know, we developed the Lumina Leadership Institute as a mechanism to help support the growth of education of physicians. And we've complemented that with our consulting services. And obviously partnering with IPMA has been great. One of the things that we're doing is we're putting on this event on October 14th. And I think our audience will hear more about it, but it's a virtual CME conference that's really focused on physician and executive leaders who really desire the ability to elevate their team and really improve their organizational performance. You want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about some of the aspects of the event? I know you, you're very involved in coordinating a lot of the faculty and the programs and so forth. I have to say, we are delighted to be involved with this. I feel strongly that it's going to be an exceptional program. What I particularly love about it is I place myself as a student. If, if I were there, if I were the learner, uh, you know, what's this investment of time going to give me at the end? And I have to tell you what we're putting together is stellar. We've got a group of folks. Our speakers are seasoned. They are battle tested. They have the stories to relate to us. And it's going to afford us with a little bit of time, the opportunity in the end to gain those little pearls, those actionable items that, okay, now I've spent a couple hours um, with Illumina and with IPMA. And now I can turn around on Monday and I can use that information. I can think about that for myself. I can put that into action for my team. I can now make that a better circumstance for my organization overall. And we have been very focused on making sure that we are delivering that. And people are going to walk away and be able to feel good about having spent their time and do something. It's one, it's one thing to feel good for two seconds. It's another thing now to put that into action and to actually be able to make those next steps and, and increase our skills. So well, and one, of, one of the things that I've, as I've started to look at the agenda, it sort of responds to some of what you've talked about earlier, right? So, you know, the, the program seems to be addressing what are those key leadership things that are important to, to help a leader with change management develop the emotional insights to really begin to lead a team. 
but also then to combine that with what are some of the key business things that we have to think about. And in particular, what I'm starting to see evolve out of the the program description is it's actionable, right? There's actionable knowledge, which I think will really be quite insightful for our attendees as we move forward with this, certainly in a way that they're going to be able to bring a lot of this information back to their own organization. Absolutely. And we have been really, from my team's perspective, as we are working on our content and getting ready for this, hyper aware of what this is going to mean for folks and to allow them to leave with the excitement and at sort of a newfound bit of energy to think about things and to move forth with it. So it's going to be time well spent. I'm certain of it. And it's going to be an exciting experience for everybody, ourselves right. included. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. I think this is going to be great. So if any of our listeners are interested in finding out more information about the event or even more information about IPMA, any thoughts in terms of you know what's your website or, or where can they look up some of this information? Absolutely. So our website is ipmamedded.org. So ipmamedded.org. And on our website, we have you know, all of our, our, our different tabs and it will be easy to find it, navigate to it and super easy to click to register now. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that's the key thing, right? Find out information and, and make it easy. And I know that on our Lumina website, and that's lumina.com slash insight, we're also going to have information on there as well, too. Or at least folks can come in and, and look around a little bit and see if it makes sense. But I agree with you. I think there's going to be some great takeaways as part of the event. It's going to be fun, most yeah. certainly. Yep. I agree. So, Deb, th- this has been great. I, I really appreciate you know you, t- you taking a little time in your day. I, I know you're really busy, so I, I appreciate the insights. Any last pieces of advice that maybe you'd offer our audience or our physician leaders, given your experience, even your role? I mean, obviously, you're a strong physician leader in, in IPMA. So a- any piece of advice you might want to share? <laughs> You've just asked the old-time teacher that. Maybe you should settle in because I've got advice for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Absolutely. Well, please share away. I think probably areas that that I would focus on um, for general advice and really most important one is none of us can be the expert in everything, right? And that's okay. You are an expert in what you are an expert in, and, and that's fantastic. You're using it every day. But that affords us the ability to be self-aware and to realize, okay, so there's these other areas that I'm working in and around that I honestly um, could benefit from learning a little bit more from partnering up with somebody, you know, maybe it's a peer group, you know, and having some discussions with others in a similar, a similar vein, but really kind of understanding that, you know, I can admit to myself the areas that I should do better at. I used to tell my students when, when they were prepping for their board exams, Dan, they would say, well, Dr. Leventhal, where do I start my studies? And my answer would always be, think about the five subject areas that this exam is going to cover. Start with the one that you do the poorest in, that you understand the least, because that's when you spend your time and, and really can get that knowledge you know, down in your brain when you have a limited amount of time. So the stuff that you already know, if you start with it and you're and you it's self-soothing, oh, I know that I feel good. I spent time with that. But then all of a sudden you have no time left to focus on the things that you really should have 
been learning about, you're not any further off. So first piece of advice is be proud of what you know, but acknowledge what you don't. Second piece of, piece of advice, I will credit my mother, Rosalie. And my mother, Rosalie, was, an, and I say this with the highest degree of love and respect, she was an old battle axe nurse the old variety that you could not pay enough money for because these folks were so remarkably talented and just got it and dealt with all us whippersnapper young little doctors and got us into shape. What she used to say was, it's super important for you as a clinician to do less talking and infinitely more listening. And you should listen and you should listen some more and you should listen a little bit more. And then ask a question and listen and a little bit more questioning and a little bit more listening because that the patient will tell you what is going on. Your dyad partner will help you understand, but you have to listen and hear the lessons and, and be okay with what you don't know. And when you don't understand and where you think you understand, ask some more questions to verify because sometimes what you're looking at looks identical you know, if you have two posts that one is in front of the other and you're standing directly in front of it, it looks like it's one post. But if you have somebody that's standing 90 degrees to the side, they can see that it's, it's two posts, not one. And that reality is the same for both of those people, but yet it's completely different. And, and that's important for us to understand that wherever we are in our career paths, it's a learning arc. And we as people can only do better if we, we think about it, we admit, and we go forward. So those, those are life lessons from Deb. <laughs> That's great. Well, I definitely appreciate your time, Deb. This has been just a, a wonderful conversation. Definitely looking forward to the event. And again, thanks again for taking the time today. Well, Dan, I definitely appreciate it. We are very much looking forward to participating with you in this event and are hoping that everybody who feels it can help them will join us and um, we'll get something out of it. So thank you for the invite here and for it more globally too. Thank you so much. Great. Well, thank you. And just to summarize, I, I think Dr. Leventhal brought up just some wonderful points related to physician leadership and we continue to see this. I think even going forward, there's going to be more and more physicians who are going to assume this role. And through the conversation, there were a couple of key takeaways that I had. I think the first is that as physicians who are really strong clinicians move into these leadership roles, they really do have to focus on really thinking about developing their core leadership skills. And those are the change management, the emotional intelligence, leading teams, you know, the, the skills that are motivating people, those the skills that really make leaders strong leaders, but combine that with the business skills. And those are something that I think leaders aren't trained for, right? And even unless they've gone for an MBA, and even if they have gone for an MBA, a lot of times they've not had the opportunity to put that in practice. So continuing to develop both sides of the leader I think are really important, as Deb mentioned. I think the other thing too, which was a great takeaway for me, was physician leaders should really look to a mentor, right? No matter how long they've either been in practice or whatever the case is, they're new to the role of being a leader. And if they could align themselves with a strong mentor, boy, that's one of the best ways to learn. And then I think lastly, 
is to create a level of self-awareness. And I think this is critically important for physicians as they assume this leadership role. And it's hard. Granted, it's hard because they've been the best in their field and all the way along in their careers. And now they're in a position where maybe they need to ask for help. But to create that self-awareness says a lot about the person, says a lot about them in that role, says a lot about their ability to lead the team. And lastly, I just encourage our audience, anybody that is interested, certainly look into the event that we have that we're partnering with IPMA on on October 14th. Anybody that is interested in finding out more information certainly can look at the IPMA website and it's ipmamed.org or the lumina.com slash insights. I want to thank everybody again for joining our program today. And until next time, I'm Daniel Marino. Thank you. Be safe. We want to thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights Podcast by Lumina Health Partners. Lumina is your partner on a journey to value-based care and all the pivots and challenges our industry faces daily. To learn more about us, visit us on LuminaHP.com. If you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and leave us feedback. Be sure to check out our show notes at LuminaHP.com insights. Join us again where we continue to take a deep dive into what lies ahead and invite conversations with some of our colleagues and industry thought leaders on new trends that are emerging and how we continue to navigate and thrive. Until then, have a great day and stay safe.